Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Alamo Drafthouse in Richardson and to the final edition of Airtime for 2018 and 19. Um, please help us welcome our fearless leader, Kitty Goddard. Thank you all so much. Um, yes, as David just mentioned, this is the finale for season nine of Airtime. And uh, we, this is our seventh year, excuse me, our sixth year in partnership with Alamo Drafthouse. So we want to thank Alamo Drafthouse for this terrific partnership that we feel like has just been a true win-win-win for everybody. And also wanted to thank the City of Richardson Cultural Arts Commission for their support, as well as Weltstar Advisors, Eric Wise and his wife, Deanna. And before I turn it over to David and, and uh, Millie, I just wanted to share that what does that nine seasons mean to you? What does it mean to us? It means that we have had 50, have produced 53 interviews, which have all been audio recorded, and are podcast on iTunes under airtime. So if you missed <laughs> one or more of those 53 interviews, you can go find them on, on iTunes and catch up. They're all fascinating. Anyway, and it also means that we're about to begin a, a very historic 10th season here at Alamo, and we are very excited. I will tell you now, the first airtime for season 10 will be on September the 10th, so mark your calendar now. It will be in partnership with Richardson Reads One Book, which we've partnered with them for the past three years. I don't even know what the book is yet because they're announcing it tonight, so we are excited about the possibilities. Anyway, and, and you should have a treat in front of you that has been handed out. I will let Millie tell you more about the treat, which is a compliment, compliments of her. And I will now turn it over to David and Millie. Enjoy. So welcome to, thank you, Kitty. Welcome to Airtime, presented by AIR, the Arts Incubator of Richardson, in partnership with Alamo Drafthouse Cinema in Richardson, Texas. Airtime is an interview series featuring artists and creative thinkers in Richardson and the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Airtime is funded in part through the generosity of Eric and Deanna Wise with Wellstar Advisors and through the City of Richardson Cultural Arts Commission. It is April 9th, 2019, and please help me welcome our guest for this evening, Millie Suleiman. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Millie is the uh, founder and designer of Kufri Fabrics here in Dallas. She was born in Mumbai, India, and raised in Oman. A graduate of Texas Christian University, she sees Kufri as an amalgamation of her multicultural background, exp explorations in design, and passion for natural spaces. Millie is heavily engaged in building an awareness and appreciation around textiles in the Dallas area by speaking on textiles, culture, and entrepreneurship. She is the co-founder of Shift, a group that brings together local designers and to the trade for monthly roundtables, and we'll talk about those just a little bit later. So first, give us the disclaimer about the treats. Okay, so um, it's a traditional Indian sweet, and if you ever go to an Indian bakery, um, you'll just see this, these rows and rows of sweets of all different colors, and they call sweet meats. Um, it contains milk and nuts, so if you're allergic to that, please refrain. But I hope you enjoy them. <laughs> so uh, we, have, we, we have so much to talk about, and I loved our, our conversations we visited um, uh, before the interview. Um, but let's start with what seems to be the core of your 
your artistic journey, your personal journey, your world journey, and that's India. Um, tell us about your early memories of India, what you love about India, what is it that draws you to it? So, um, so I grew up in Oman, which is um, a country in the Middle East. It's about three hours from Dubai. Um, geographically, it is two hours, two and a half hours plane ride from India. So while I didn't actually grow up in India, I spent uh, several summers uh, in India, and I have wonderful memories. It's um, Bombay. Um, I like to call it Bombay. Um, because when I was born, it was still Bombay. Um, it's tropical, and because of the British uh, Raj in India, the architecture is gorgeous. It's, it's Gothic architecture, and it's their Victorian architecture. There's Art Deco architecture. It just the summers are sweltering. Um, there's the monsoons. There are mosquitoes, and um, we didn't have air conditioning in our Bombay flat, but it was still, it's, you know, it's a totally different country. Like you're transported, you know you are somewhere completely maddening and different, so. Yeah. That, that seems to be the impression, I've not been there, but that seems to be the impression of, 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 of India, especially Mumbai, but even, even around, it's this, it's this energy, this oppressive and yet magical, wonderful energy. Yes. If you go on your first trip to India, you will either love it or hate it, and you will probably be in shock. <laughs> um, there's just five modes of transportation all on the road, all at once. There's no, um, you know, like traffic lanes. There's no stripes in the middle. Everyone just goes like that, like all of it, and still no one hits anyone. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But yes, there's like definitely an energy. So Millie has brought uh, some wonderful images of her travels. She's also, we'll, we'll probably hear in a little while, a, a photographer as well. So um, let's start out with, hobby, I hope, I hope is the first, yes, that's the one. Yes. So tell us about, yes, this yes. is the five modes of transportation picture. Yes, yes. Okay, well, it's not exactly five, but you see the, the little pedicab, and then you see the ele elephant, you see cars, you see a van, you see a bike. Ah, let me go this way. Okay, that's it. But that kind of gives you an idea that you can really see. And I don't know why this road was quiet. It's not always like this. It was probably a back road. But that's, that's pretty much what you'll see. And the next image? Oh, yeah. This was very interesting and frightening. We were going from, I think, Jaipur in Rajasthan to another city, Ajmer, in Rajasthan. And we were in one of the small cars, and these lorries, we call them lorry, the lorries just have these unbelievably tall stacks of goods. And you know, I'm, I imagine that the way our fabrics are transported is at some point they get transported from this to the railway station, to the you know, FedEx office, and then get put on a plane. So that's, that probably contains our fabrics. <laughs> probably not. And the next picture? Oh, yeah, this is also a common sight. This was in, in Bombay. Can everyone hear me okay? Yes, okay. Uh, this is a fairly common sight in Bombay, just 
on the road, guy getting married, you know, traffic has to stop for him. Um, and yeah, it's just a beautifully decorated horse and, you know, upholding all the tradition. And I love the, you know, just the juxtaposition. You see like these skyscrapers in Bombay and then you see this guy on a horse with, just getting married. And one more. Um, yes, this is in Jaipur. This is a palace hotel. Um, it's very old and I'm sure they repaint it, but this is one of the palace hotels. Yeah, certainly the colors just, it's the, I don't know whether it's the particular colors or the saturation of the color or the combination of color. Um, I can tell you that the way it's projected here, it's a little less saturated than it actually was. Mm -hmm. um, India loves yellow, so <laughs> it's a beautiful yellow. Now, is there anything you don't like about India? Uh, yes. Okay, there are really two things. Um, at night, when you're sleeping or trying to sleep, um, you'll hear dogs, like stray dogs, just you know, howling or crying or whatever, and it always breaks my heart. And on a recent trip to Manhattan, I realized the same thing was happening. And I was like, oh, they're very similar. You know, just dense cities. And you have these stray animals at night. And I'm like, um, let's see, what else do I not like about India? Okay, I think because I speak the language, um, I ha it's always like this, it's this fight for survival the moment you get out of the hotel because you're arguing, negotiating with the rickshaw driver or the taxi driver. You're just like always protecting yourself because you know that people are probably going to charge you more. Because even if I wear Indian clothes, there's just something. They know that I <laughs> haven't lived in India. They could like smell it on me or something. So there's this like constant fight, like the moment I leave the hotel. That hard exterior of, don't mess with me, buster. That's right. <laughs> like, I can negotiate with you. Uh -huh. You're charging me double what uh -huh. you would normally charge. So, yeah. <laughs> so, tell us about Oman. How and the, the, I'm sure that was an interesting interplay between the energy of India and the energy of the Middle East. Yes. Um, they're very, very different. Uh, even though the Middle East has a large Indian population. It's very, you know, it's very cosmopolitan because of the oil. Um, a lot of Danish and British and, you know, before, uh, before I was coming to the U.S., we started noticing that the large American population coming in as well, but that happened later on. Um, differences. Differences, obviously, the, it's more cosmopolitan. Um, let's see. It's very clean. Oman, the Middle East is spotless, like spotless. Um, I, and that's a stark difference from <laughs> India. Um, is that because of governmental work? Because you just get higher? I, 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 when I was in China, yeah. I found China to be amazingly clean. Really? But it was because wow. everyone, well, this, the cities, but that's because Everyone has a job. Everyone has to have a job. So you work as a street yes. cleaner. Well, also, um, you know, there's a sultan. There are like royal families, you know, the, the sheikhs. 
So yes, there it's government controlled. Like the government will put all the money into the country to make sure it's always, always clean. Um, and they have that kind of money because of the oil. Um, so it's just, and actually it's funny, Oman also used to be a British colony. So when you go to Oman and you see the port, you will always see a British royal ship there, even till today, like a liner, it's really weird. Now you mentioned having a, a, a somewhat sheltered life. Was that mm -hmm. because of your family or the Middle East or a combination? Yeah, you know, I think my parents were just really, really productive um, because the locals, you know, the local boys and girls, I mean, they don't, when I was growing up in Oman, they, English was not spoken by the locals. So I think they were just really productive about, you know, whatever, growing girls. <laughs> now, did you well, did you go to a, 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 an Indian-based school? I did. I went to an Indian-based school, um, but we had, like, I had friends who were in the school that were from other cultures as well. So it wasn't, it was called Indian school, but you didn't have to be an Indian. Um, and it had the British system of education and English. So were you creative and artistic as a child? Were your parents creative and artistic? artistic or other members of your family? Uh, yes, my, I think, I think my mom would be the creative one. Um, my dad's creativity showed in his business. Uh, he's an entrepreneur. And uh, I'm trying to think, you know, I think my mom started exploring um, quilting and needlecraft and all that. I think when, after I left home. So I think growing up, I. I don't think she really indulged because she worked uh, quite a few years. But I think because I wasn't allowed to go out of the house a whole lot, um, I just would paint. And I took oil painting lessons and pastels, like I painted. Um, I did classical dance. I studied classical dance. I did dramatics in school, so I think all that just kept going. So creativity from your mother and upbringing and entrepreneurship from your father. Yes. Which is a good transition to what brought you here to Dallas. How did you get from summers in Mumbai and mm -hmm. a small school in Oman to... Yes. Um, so I actually went to school at TCU in Fort Worth. Um, so that's even more odd because Fort Worth is even smaller than Dallas. Um, Let's see. Of, of all the cities of in the, the United oh. of the world, why? What? What made How you pick, pick North Texas? Okay, so we used to find in Oman magazine stands, you know, the U.S. news, mm -hmm. the the schools, and the, all those reports. And um, I just knew that I had to leave home. Like I knew I had to leave, and I would go through all that. And um, I was looking for a private school that had a good journalism program and I had an uncle and aunt in Houston. So I was thinking, well, where can I go that's close to them, but not too close to them? Because I'm trying to get away from family. <laughs> um, so I think that's why I picked TCU. Sounds reasonable. Oh. And, and then tell us about your, your college years. College years, oh my gosh. I think the first two years I was just, I was freaked out. I was totally freaked out because TCU, um, you know, it's predominantly a white school mm -hmm. back when I went, and more than that, it's 51% Greek. 
So 51% fraternity sororities, you know, and um, it was really interesting. Like I was just shy in shock, um, didn't know what was going on. And I'm sure when they looked at me, they were like, we don't know what's going on, <laughs> like, you know? Um, but my last two years, I found some good friends and had a blast. Well, what, what was your, was this your first time to America? Um, no, it was my second time to America. And what were your impressions of us crazy Americans? Well, so I was restricted to TCU. Okay. I didn't really get a car till um, maybe my junior year. So I would actually take the bus from TCU to Hewlin Mall if like 20 minute stops. I would be on the bus for an hour and a half, like changing buses, not even kidding. And I would like take the Greyhound and go to Houston. But anyway, um, my impression, I was just like, oh my God, what am I doing? What am I, where am I? Um, I mean, I, you know, I knew like it was just differences and I had to like understand those differences. But I don't know, David, like I can't even look back that far and think what I found so strange. I think I found everything strange, you know? I mean, I was used to a very warm, a very warm uh, culture, you know? Like we have, we are very family centered um, and India is very, uh, I don't know the word for it, but it's like group centered. Like you're always in a community, you're always hanging out in packs. Um, you live in your house and there's probably like five other people, you know, in your house and you have a live-in maid. So it's a very community type, you know, Asian culture in general. And so was the Middle East, it was the same. Um, so I, I felt like, the most, the thing that stood out the most was it's very kind of singular here, you know, like people were alone, you'd have to make appointments and, you know, um, with Nick, I don't know, it was just strange because it was so different. So you, uh, what, tell us about what you studied in school and, and, and after your, your post-school years. Okay, so I studied, um, I graduated with sociology and ad PR, advertising PR. Um, after that, I worked actually with a foster care agency and I wrote home studies and uh, I know. And then I went back to school because I knew something was missing. I was like, I need to do something creative. I went to Collin County Community College and got my associates in graphic design. And then worked as a graphic designer for? Yes, for 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And so what was it, what was it in graphic design that you found exciting and satisfying, and w then what? Did, why did you get out of it? I think I really liked the aspects um, of client interaction mm. with creativity and a technical aspect, because I'm definitely, like, I enjoy production, uh, I enjoy managing production, and I also have a creative side, but I also love being one-on-one -on -one with people. I feel I um, can really offer like I was just really good at offering what would be best for their business if we needed to come up with this brand identity. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed those three aspects. And then so what then made you go from graphic design into to fabric design? What, tell us about the textiles? birth of Kufri. Okay, um, 
I think I got really burnt out um, because it was long hours at the computer. It was great money, but it was great money while you were sitting behind the computer. And then I even, um, I hired someone that would help me, but I think I just was itching to do something more tangible and actually do something more complex. Because I was thinking, I was like, you know, I, I'm not gonna be 45 and still doing this. Um, I can't be sitting behind a computer still doing this. And I started to, I usually dream two years ahead. So I started to dream and plan and just like explore things. I would go to trade shows. I took a trip to India with my dad and saw some trade shows. I went to New York, um, Chicago, saw a couple of trade shows just to start looking at product. Um, because one of my stints as a graphic designer was a couple of years with a packaging design agency. So I had gone to Atlanta and done the home and gift trade show for that company. So I had kind of, you know, it opened the door and I was like, oh my gosh, what is this world of, you know, seeing all these goods before they even come into the store? You know, we don't really think about that. Um, and yeah, I was just like, I want to do something more complex that's going to give, make me feel like I'm doing something that's my life work and something that I can keep building on. And um, I also wanted to be, also wanted to spend some time with my parents. So now every trip I take to India, my mom meets me from the Middle East and we enjoy some time together. So tell us about Kufri. Um, how, what does it mean? How did, what is the name? Uh, what Kufri, is the mission? Yes, Kufri is actually a place in India. It's a mountain resort. And um, what does it mean? To me, it just gives me a feeling of um, peace and being carefree. And um, just have it, it has this meditative quality. And I feel like that's what my fabrics, like that's what I would like them to convey. And the mission is basically I wanna, I want my fabrics, firstly I, I love the craft of handloom weaving. I personally am not a weaver, um, but I have taught myself and I have actually tried some weaving, but I've taught myself everything about weaving. And now we have an in-house weaver, she's wonderful. Her name is Casey and I learn more and more with her. But my first, mission is to do everything I can to create beautiful woven, handwoven textiles to keep promoting the craft because um, it, will, it will disappear one day. You know, it will. What products did you start with? I, st I actually started with hand screen printed textiles. Um, they were bright and bold and it was just yardage. So what we do is we you know, design the fabric and then we send the, the design to India and they were hand screen printing it. And I was selling the yardage to interior designers. It's a really niche industry, um, but I love it because I love interiors and spaces. So we have a whole bunch of pictures uh, dealing with the process yes. um, of how your fabrics get made. And I think that'll, they will. Uh, oh wait, can we go back to the peacock? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Okay. so. Can I talk sure, about this? Okay, so you know the Palace Hotel? You all saw the yellow one? So this is a peacock. It just, so the peacocks in the Palace Hotels, they just kind of roam the lawns and it's just 
in front of the room. I've heard they're very good uh, guard animals. <laughs> yeah. if, if there's danger, they're Wait, very let noisy. let me see if I can do it. Is that pretty good? Something like that? Um, and it's so beautiful. At night, they go high up on the trees, and they're still in, for some reason, they're still in the hotel grounds. Like, they never leave. They're like, oh, we don't want to leave the hotel grounds. Um, but at night, they go high up on the trees, and the moon is, you know, the moon is shining, and you can see, you can see all that. It's beautiful. Okay. Next, Next picture. Okay, so this is in one of the villages on our way to one of the villages where we weave. Um, I thought this particular village, all the, the little houses are painted outside and the heart where it says, Bino weds Juno. So outside the door, when someone in their family gets married, they will paint something. But uh, I haven't seen this in a lot of villages. It was specific to this village. Next slide. Uh, this is also on our way to um, the weaving villages. So we, you know, we don't do anything, you know, like I don't like to just go to India, pick fabrics from the market and come sell it. Like that is not my thing. I like, I like to go to the source. Like I like, my passion is to interact and be where the thing is being made. So this is on the way and clearly it's like, three hours from the city and you have to change three modes of transportation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, so that's me actually going into, you know, you can kind of get an idea and not all villages look like this, but you kind of get an idea of what it's like in these homes. Okay, so our fabrics use hand spun, hand spun yarn. So what she's doing is basically, you know, the picture of Gandhi that you see that he's with the wheel or what you call the chakra. Um, she is spinning the yarn and then that yarn is what is used in our fabric. And these spinning, these spinning wheels look like modified bicycles. Yes, they're all pretty, uh, they're all pretty rustic, you know. They're just, they recycle a lot of things and uh, there's not a whole lot of wastage. So this is our fabrics being dyed. They're all dyed by hand. And the little bands, you know, the little black rubber bands, that's where actually the pattern is drawn and then they use a rubber band to resist. It's kind of like tie-dye, you know, to resist and then they dip it in the dye. Now are they using natural dyes or chemical dyes? No, we actually use azo-free dyes. So they're chemical, they're synthetic, but they're safe. Okay. Um, the reason we don't use natural dyes is because it will fade very quickly. Mm -hmm. And when you're selling high-end fabrics, you need to be able to, you know, interior designers are not going to be happy if it fades very quickly. So, um, yes, just washing of our fabrics, washing of the yarn. Next. So you can see the black marks, you know, that's where the pattern is drawn. And if you go on our site, basically most of our fabrics, you know, you'll see patterns, but the patterns are not generated. It's not like a PDF or anything. You know, they draw it on the yarn. The, the fabric website, tell us the web address. Yes, it's kufrilife.com. Kufrilife, it's, it's a beautiful website and there's some marvelous videos. Thank you. 
Um, and it's at the bottom of your discount coupon the website. Okay, so that, I mean, that's pretty much what it looks like. You know, it, the house might change a little bit, but you can see how rustic it is. Uh, the loom is all made by hand using parts, you know, just wooden parts. Um, that's me in the background, and that's one of our best, that fabric is our absolute best-selling fabric. It's a textured stripe. Um, it's called Cusco Stripe, and the moment it comes in, it's out. It's sold out. And so you're, so you're spinning the yarn. Spinning the yarn. And then dyeing the yarn, mm -hmm. and then taking that yarn and weaving it into a fabric. Yes, so then you take that yarn, and there's this extensive pre-loom process where you actually have to load the loom, right? So there is a warp and a weft. So you have to actually load all that yarn on the warp and uh, make sure it's gonna produce the pattern. And then someone sits and weaves it. And it's a, it's a fairly laborious process. Very. Um, slow as well. Very slow, that's why we call them slow textiles. Um, it's a very slow process, so a yard of fabric is 36 inches. Um, and if you can imagine, we can, they can only weave maybe three at the most four yards a day, a day. And if you think about fabric, you know, if you just go to a Joanne or if you just go to, you know, any, um, in your consumer market, it's coming off a machine and they're, they're getting thousands a day. So these are like, Slow, slow textiles. And you're also doing a lot of other, other than this sort of stripe, you're doing a lot of printed and other treatments to the fabrics. So um, we are launching a block printed collection. The block printing will be done on a hand woven fabric. So it's, it's still true to what we do. Um, but yeah, that's pretty, we're looking forward to that. When we were talking, you, you, you used a term I had, was unfamiliar with, wabi-sabi. Yeah. Um, so tell us about wabi-sabi and why it's important and why the, why the imperfection is important in okay. these fabrics. So wabi-sabi is a Japanese term. It means the beauty in imperfections. Um, when just my personal design eye, when I look at design and when I look at homes, when something is really glossy and absolutely perfect, it's absolutely boring to me. Um, it just does not pull my heartstrings. But when I look at a home that's slightly messy, it's got a lot of artful things and there's a lot of character, that is an interesting home to me. Um, Wabi-sabi is extremely important to our textiles and to me because when you are producing such, you know, you're dyeing it by hand, you're spinning the yarn, um, all these different processes, you will not get a textile that's absolutely perfect. If you want a textile that's absolutely perfect, you should buy it from a commercial, you know, like a big line. Um, so you, you will find like there are slubs there. There may be a missing thread. There may be a little, uh, you know, a little space where the fibers are not perfectly pulled together but I think that um, we call them beauty marks in our, in our studio because they are beauty marks. That is the weaver's hand. That is the impression that it is made by hand. And that is the mark of the weaver. 
So, uh, yeah, like that's. Well, and it, it, it seems almost that the weaver is as much a part of the fabric. Tell us about the people who are behind all of this fabric. Yeah, so one of my other missions is, um, you know, the weavers in India are aging out, which is why uh, it will one day completely go away. Um, but most 90% of our weaving is actually done by uh, women who are divorced or widowed, or it's senior citizens that are men and women. Um, in this instance, it was a younger gentleman, but 90% of them are uh, women or senior citizens, and you know it gives them it gives them dignity, gives them a way to feed their family, and I think that's very essential. Now, how do um, I mean? Are there factories that make these kind of fabrics? Just yes. So uh, there are factories, and you know, India is a it's a textile country, so. They've figured out clever ways in reproducing something that looks like a handwoven textile, but it's actually not a handwoven textile. And then there are also, when you go into the mass market, they might use cheaper dyes, mm -hmm. and you know it's going to bleed all over everything, and um, you might get a rash. So yes, you might find certain patterns that look familiar, but you have to be really careful about the source. Yeah, so yeah, we, we talked a little bit about uh, the, the details, the ingredients that make your uh, fabrics yes. higher end, higher quality. Yes. Um, so firstly, we work in really small village units. You know, we're not going into the large units. We're, we're making sure that the people are treated properly, uh, that they have flexibility in when they want to work. Um, and of course, our dyes are safe. Uh, they're synthetic, but they're safe and tested. So, and what do, what do, what is the yarn? What is the material? Uh, is it cotton or we work with cotton, linen, and silk? Okay. Yeah. So you have several new projects here in Dallas going on. Tell us about the new studio and showroom. New studio and showroom. Or do we want to do we want to do we want to go to product now? Do we want to do some yeah, pr product talking? Oh, that's let's another. talk us through the rest of these process okay. images, and then we'll go into product and give them some real examples of the product. So there you can see, um, you know, it's one of our senior weavers. And this is just a big loom in his home. And he gets to weave at home. And it's beautiful. How many hours a day will they work? Um, you know, believe it or not, they'll work like six, seven hours a day. Yeah, because they can take breaks as mm -hmm. many times as they want. OK, so this is one of our new block prints. and. You know, I design, I get to use my graphic design skills here. Um, and you'll notice, like, in the design, I have created these little holes, these little pits, because I want it to look imperfect. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then the wood block is hand-carved. So that'll be launching summer. So that's one of the designs as well. So this is a plain fabric. Mm -hmm. that then the ink is, is both the black and the blue, or is the blue woven in? No, um, so the fabric is actually just a test fabric that okay. we just got from the market, because we were just <laughs> sampling. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we were just doing, like, initial testing. Uh, but this, the light blue is also a block, mm -hmm. and the dark blue is also a block. So this actually takes two blocks. 
So that's me with one of our lady weavers. Yeah, so that's our new collection. So that on the right, you kind of get a feel of our handwoven textiles. It's, you know, the colors are pretty neutral and- You were talking, you said meditative, meditative and did, did you use yes. the word playful? I think our block prints are playful, mm -hmm. but there's a meditative quality to these fabrics for sure. And they're timeless. And very, it seems very natural, very mm -hmm. uh, in, not in indoor, outdoor is not, but, but they seem to be very peaceful, natural yes. colors. Yeah. So here you can see, I just wanted to show you how the, the second fabric is an African indigo textile, but it's mixed with all the other pillows are our fabrics. So you can see how the space is like a very natural space and it's mixed with another African indigo textile and it just, it works like, you know, it's kind of playful, but it's also got a really peaceful quality. So how does the fabric get from from that man's living room, mm -hmm. how does it get from there to this pillow? So the f we import the fabrics. So they uh, pretty much, you know, come in big bowls, so they come in, they come folded, and we have a rolling machine in our studio. They get delivered to our studio, and, um, we unroll and measure everything in a rolling, you know, on the rolling machine. From there, we have a photo shoot. We shoot all the fabrics in the new collection. Then it goes on Instagram. And we have um, showrooms in the country that are um, where the interior designers go and shop. And we have showrooms that represent the line. So our whole line is displayed in various showrooms and you know the interior designer goes see th sees the fabric she loves it presents it to the client you know there's a big presentation that they do to the client if the client approves the fabric then it goes to a workroom you know we get an order from the showroom and uh, we either have to ship it to a workroom where the workroom turns it into upholstery or pillows or we turn it into pillows like we on our website you'll see you can buy pillows online, they're retail, so. And you actually have some looms in the studio here now. Yes, we have two looms in the studio. And what do you do with them? So we actually are doing custom handwoven textiles. So if there's an interior designer um, who wants to do, you know, has found something old in a magazine and it's this beautiful handwoven textile, we can recreate it. So we do the sample in-house, it it's ready in a week. So we don't have to wait two months for the sample to come. That is the biggest advantage for us. And so our loom is gonna be used to constantly crank out new designs and show what we can do for custom. So I wanted to take some time. So tell us about Shift. Shift, yes. So um, Sort of bring it full circle for now. We've gone from travel and product and process, but now let's go back to the craft of weaving. Okay, so Shift is actually um, like this little community organization that um, a very dear friend and a very talented interior designer, Holly, she's actually here sitting in the front. <laughs> um, she and I met about a year ago 
and um, she was she was just like, yes, let's do something. You know, what can we do to um, just make the interior design community closer together and to uh, promote smaller lines, smaller product lines, and just talent, even artists. Um, just bring the design community together, talk about business. Because mm -hmm. we, I felt like I needed a support group, you know, doing all this. And um, they are larger organizations, but you go when there's like this sea of people and you don't know who to talk to and you don't leave with really connecting with someone. So SHIFT is our way of um, meeting every month. We have architects, interior designers, builders, artists, anyone that deals with what we call to the trade. Mm -hmm. So even if you are a ceramicist, but you sell your products to interior designers, you can be a part of SHIFT. And we meet once a month, we cap it off at 10 people, so you can really get to know people. And um, we do different things. We do roundtable discussions about you know what's happening in the industry. We talk about marketing. We talk about just whatever support people need. It would seem to be very collaborative, too. You could brainstorm. and You can brainstorm. The, you could get a pattern idea from the ceramicist or the, yes. the architect. Or yes, absolutely. You can brainstorm. Um, people refer each other. You know, so it's um, it's it's really wonderful, I think. So um, we have some time for some questions from the audience, and I think are there some samples being there? Are sam some samples around? There are samples. Do we have enough light though to show? Do you want to just maybe you can just hold them up? So um, we're doing a new pillow collection, and these will all, it's a new pillow collection that has like an aspect of quilting to it. We actually did it with um, a, a young lady that is an amazing quilter. So we've come up with five limited edition pillows, and they actually go on the website Friday. And samples, let me. Can you all see them? Okay, awesome. So it's my take on like X's and O's, but this pattern is completely created by weaving. Um, it isn't a block, so it's actually done through the tie-dye method that I showed you all, and then it's woven. Unwoven. Um, oh, I also wanted I also wanted to mention that you know we're not we're not limited to pillows and table linens. Um, you can use our fabrics on upholstery and a variety of other like curtains. So. so blush is a really popular color. And in fact, it's our signature color. It's on the walls in our showroom that's being built. And um, this is, yeah, this is just a really popular fabric right now. Just got a couple more. Okay, so this is just a classic, classic plaid 
you know, because we needed we needed to have a good medium scale plaid. And here's this one's called tribal, and I think it's really cool, like the contrast, the black and the warm uh, light color. Okay, so this is like the live sample of the block printing. So it's all different colors and it's all done on one, so it looks kind of crazy. But this one is, I don't know if I can stretch it out enough. Um, but this was actually the very first time I tested out these patterns, which was a year ago, and we're finally launching it. So it always takes like six months to a year, eight months to a year to go from idea to a finished fabric. And um, it's gonna be a little different. Fabulous, thank you. Any questions from the audience? Probably have time for one in the back. Are there any of them wearable? Yeah. Depends on how soft your skin is. Yes, they are. We actually have light, medium, and heavyweight fabrics. And I have, I have trousers in the lightweight fabrics. And I have a couple of dresses in the lightweight fabrics. And they're, they're wonderful. You just have to dry clean them. Question? No questions. In the front here? Hi. So amazing. Your work is amazing. Thank you. Um, You know, there's definitely a revival happening. There's always a revival happening. There's always, there's always gonna be a group of people that are really passionate about slowing down rather than just, you know, fast. Um, so I think it'll always be there, but the number of weavers and the number of people who are willing to slow down and take the time, are, you know, it's just not in our personalities these days because we're always going. So I think it takes a very special person. But yes, there are, there is still handloom weaving that happens in the States. Um, and there are, you know, small studios and people learning weaving. So I think it's positive. Um, yeah, but as far as like actual production of handloom weaving textiles, that's a different story. Because you have to work continuously and you know, that's what you do every single day or five days a week. So. so we will end as we normally do with our top 10 short questions. Okay. So question number one, pie or cake? Cake. <laughs> Definitive answer there. Number two, Eiffel Tower or Empire State? Eiffel Tower. Number three, camels or elephants? Camels. Number four, your dream vacation spot? Okay, you won't believe it if I say this, but it's New Mexico. I just freaking love New Mexico. Like, I have, 
I've traveled in various countries, various continents, but I just have this thing for New Mexico. It's beautiful. Number I'm five, spellbound. the movie you've seen the most times. The Exorcist. Yes. Okay. Yes. Number mm-hmm. six, spaghetti or cheeseburger? Mm. Spaghetti. Number seven, your favorite dye color? Ooh. Blue. Number Indigo. Indigo. Number eight, the first vegetable that comes to your mind? Carrot. Number nine, spicy or crunchy? Spicy, yeah. And number 10, silk or wool or Ooh. cotton? Cotton. All right. Wearing it now. Cotton. Please help me uh, thank... Thank um, you so Millie much. Suleiman. Thank you so much. I and we'll turn it back over to Kitty. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everyone. <laughs> I'm trying not to block anybody's view of our two stars. Um, I just want to really thank Millie for sharing her story about slow textiles. And thank you all for taking the time to maybe slow down your life a little with airtime tonight. Um, I appreciate it. And so does Air. And I just wanted to have a gentle reminder for you that once the movie begins, Alamo Drafthouse is a no cell phone, no talking zone in order to make the experience the best it can be for everybody. So thank you all. Please join us September the 10th for the kickoff to season 10 of Airtime. And thank you again for being here.